Hello, I'm Ben Elvish, CFA, and welcome to the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. In this episode, I'm talking about how we can progress people from diverse socioeconomic backgrounds to leadership in the investment management industry uh, with Sophie Hume, CEO of Progress Together. We're focused on helping firms understand the barriers when it comes to socioeconomic progression to senior management or board positions, as well as widening kind of access to the investment management industry. Um, so, Sophie, thank, thanks very much for taking the time to join it. I know it's start of a new year and very busy, but worth starting with a bit of background kind of on yourself and how you found yourself kind of in this role as CEO of Progress Together. Sure. Thank you, Ben. Progress Together is one of the outputs from a government commissioned task force, which was led by the City of London Corporation. And the remit of that task force, which was sponsored by HM Treasury and, and Bayes, was to boost socioeconomic diversity at senior levels across financial and professional services. And that task force had three main work streams, one of which is an industry consultation on, on the role of regulators, sector bodies and trade associations on how to incentivize employers with to boost socioeconomic diversity at senior levels. Uh, the other work stream uh, led by Andy Haldane, so former chief economist of the Bank of England and now CEO of, um, of the RSA, was a productivity analysis and a business case. So compiling all the evidence around you know, why would we want to boost socioeconomic diversity at senior levels. And this is all available on the on the resources page of the Progress Together website, uh, www.progresstogether.co.uk. And then the third work stream was the development of Progress Together. And whereas you've got the, the carrot, which is the business case, you've got the stick, which is the role of the regulators and trade associations and, and government. And then the bit in the middle, which is Progress Together, is that safe space for, for financial services firms to share best practice understand where their starting points are and, and, and try and take action and, and bring about impact together. Excellent. And so just for those that aren't familiar, hopefully many people are given the, the great objectives the organisation has. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, tell me a little bit more about kind of the objectives of Progress Together and, and how Progress Together has come about. Sure. So Progress Together is a not-for-profit membership body. We're a startup. We only launched uh, last year towards the back end of 2022. We support firms to boost socioeconomic diversity at senior levels within their organisations. And it came about through a government commission task force that I was the, the architect of, uh, which and the task force completed at the end of November 2022. And the task force, the remit of the task force was to, again, boost socioeconomic diversity at senior levels across financial and professional services. And there were three different work streams for that task force. Uh, one was led by Sandra Wallace, so uh, previous Social Mobility Commission uh, co-chair. Uh, the other was led by, at, at the time, Lord Mayor Vincent Keaveney. And that was the development of Progress Together, which, which we can speak more about. And then the third piece was a, a business case, productivity analysis. And that was led by the uh, former chief economist at the Bank of England and now CEO of the RSA. The whole uh, task force was chaired by Catherine McGuinness, who was chair of policy at the City of London Corporation at the time. Excellent. And so 
as you look and kind of the task that the objectives of progress together and being the focus for the rest of this podcast, sort of what is the 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 link that you see kind of existing between socioeconomic background and career progression across the industry? So we know there's definitely a link. So when I was at the City of London Corporation, we developed a piece of research with the Bridge Group, and that's called Getting Ahead and How. And it was a detailed look at progression, and we explored the link between socioeconomic background and job performance and career progression. Now, we knew from previous research that financial services has the highest class pay gap, uh, and also that it was four times larger than the IT sector. Now, for me as a skills policy professional, that rung alarm bells for me thinking, well, if we're struggling to find talent within financial services, how are we going to uh, ensure that that class pay gap uh, reduces so that we're competing uh, with other sectors such as the, the tech sector? So that class pay gap is an important indicator. But in financial services, it can be explained by differences in occupation. So, for example, front versus back office uh, or region or, or um, division. Uh, so, you know, investment banking versus retail, for example. And it can be explained as many as, uh, as much by those differences as it can by seniority. So what we wanted to look at was particularly focusing on, on, on progression. And with the bridge group, we found that 89% of senior leaders within financial services firms, and we did a deep dive into to a handful of, of financial services firms, 89% of senior leaders were from professional backgrounds. And then if we looked at all levels of seniority, only 50% came from professional backgrounds. And when I say professional backgrounds, I mean by parental occupation at, at 14, which is the, uh, the, the definition or the metric that's recommended by the, the Social Mobility Commission. So... When we, when talking about that, is that kind of the sort of definition of the progression gap in that regards, or or would you widen that definition as you think about the quote unquote progression gap? Yeah. So so what we saw in terms of progression gap was there was a twenty five percent progression gap, i.e. it took twenty five percent longer to progress through the grades if you come from a lower socioeconomic background or working class background compared to peers from professional backgrounds. We also found that there was zero link to job performance. It wasn't the lack of ability and capability that was holding people back. And we surveyed over 8,000 employees across these organisations and, and interviewed over 100 employees. And the interviewees from lower socioeconomic backgrounds reported that they were wasting energy conforming to those dominant cultures. And this was impacting job performance. So if you're one of the 11% of senior leaders from non-professional backgrounds, it's tiring, it's exhausting to conform to, to those dominant cultures. So if we can create more diversity within the top sphere, and frankly, that the top sphere is where we set the culture of an organisation, not only can we ensure that productivity and performance is at the very best at the top, but we can ensure that also that innovation and, and such like is also boosted. Um, so there's a real drive for for getting this right at, at the top excellent and so you've talked about a few there but when really keen to understand more about this point around dominant cultures and other sorts of typical barriers to progression um that that, that kind of the research that that you and the team have seen and also just elsewhere how you think about those barriers and and probably more importantly how you kind of start to break some of them down yeah, sure. So in terms of the, the typical barriers to progression, often 
to to progress within a role within financial services and that's the sector that we focus on within progress together uk financial services there's often an over reliance on networks so so who you know and there are opaque processes around uh, work allocation promotion access to senior sponsors. We know that if you're from a a working class background, you're 17% less likely to have a senior sponsor. And we know as individuals that we feel comfortable working with people that are similar to us. That's human nature. And so we need to ask ourselves as employers, who's getting the, the senior sponsors? Is there a tap on the shoulder? Is there a connection, a personal connection that means that a senior sponsor supports someone else? Or is it that additional confidence of someone, the more junior person that goes and asks for it? And if that doesn't happen, how do we ensure that there's fair and and, and transparent access to those opportunities? And also there's a real lack of data, especially in the financial services sector. So if we look at the Women in Finance Charter signatories of the 209 that report, only 27 collect data on socioeconomic background of their workforce. So if we don't have the data, we don't know who's progressing and and who's not. Um, And I suspect that um, more and more firms are are, are thinking about this, certainly this year. The year before, it was 13 out of 209. So it has doubled. Um, And I suspect that this year it will increase even more. But let's try and get that to 100% because it's only once we really interrogate the the data do we know uh, what the challenges are for our employees. And there's there's evidence, this was in the legal sector, that shows that employees as legal trainees that attended state school are 75% more likely to be in the top decile of performers than their peers. So there isn't a a reason for this lack of progression uh, other than uh, the issue around whether employees uh, have the right kind of fit and polish. And really we need to ask ourselves, you know, how are we defining talent? Is it having that fit and polish or is it being the, the best performers? And arguably to be competitive as a sector, we need to focus on the latter. Excellent. Well, not excellent from a message perspective, but in terms of understanding the conversation. So data is obviously key and I work with a firm that we're, we're focused on how we apply AI to the to the investment management industry. So, so appreciate the value of data. What are some of the issues that is causing data collection being so difficult for, for, for socioeconomic background and social mobility? So many firms uh, within financial services don't collect the data because they're not being asked to collect the data. So that's that's the first. Uh, Within the legal sector, the Solicitors Regulation Authority has been mandating data collection for a number of years. Um, This isn't currently being asked by the financial services uh, regulators, although socioeconomic background was included in their recent discussion paper. um, I suspect it will be in their upcoming uh, consultation. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the financial services regulators followed suit uh, as the the legal sector has taken the lead on this. Um, However, those firms are beginning to see that even if the regulators aren't currently asking for this, there's the business case for for collecting data, because we're finding that more investors are asking about data, especially at senior leader level uh, and board level. Investors are asking about socioeconomic background data. Uh, Employees certainly are wanting to hear more and more about this, and we're seeing an increased um, role of social mobility 
networks as well and also clients are asking about this so firms are beginning to realize they need to collect data the challenge they have will be uh, building that trust with the employee base we're about 10 years um, further ahead than or further behind rather than uh, the gender and ethnicity piece in terms of collecting data um, a long time ago there was you know employees used to get concerned about sharing sexuality um, with their employers employers we're there and we need to build the trust within the employee base to make sure that they um they understand that the reason we're collecting data is to support the industry to to progress and to have a better culture and to be more diverse and innovative with with greater diversity of, of thought at, at the very top um and it's only by building that that trust will employees want to share the data and with our members and we have now 27 members within progress together plus 12 founding partners we find that those that have excellent response rates in terms of the, the data collection piece have really focused on the communication before asking the questions around socioeconomic background uh they they've put a lot of effort into the communications campaign saying that we as an organization we want to change we want to support you we want people to be able to to progress and have equity of progression um, and this is why we're asking this this question so once assuming in the future when firms have got sort of data that as anticipated i would expect um you know kind of confirms this progression gap issue. What are some of the actions they can take to, to change and, 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 and address the gap and close that gap? Yeah, so the Government Commission Task Force, uh, which looked across financial and professional services, and, and bearing in mind that progress together is just financial services, the task force produced its recommendations in November 2022. And there were five recommendations, five points on this, this pathway for employers. Uh, and you can find these on the resources page of the Progress Together website, which is www.progresstogether.co.uk. And those five points are engage your senior executives, have an accountable senior executive if you want to bring about change. The secondly is collect data, which we've talked about. So what does the top look like versus the rest of your organization? Where are the challenges? Where is the data telling you you've got a particular problem? Which occupations, which regions within your organisation, which divisions? And then once you know your starting point, set targets, set targets for yourself. We at Progress Together encourage firms to aim for parity so that the top of their organisation looks like the rest of the organisation in terms of socioeconomic background. But then also taking action uh, to ensure you aim to meet those targets which is looking at how do we promote role models within the sector. Often with socioeconomic background, it's that hidden characteristic where you can't often tell someone's socioeconomic background. Often people work hard to try and cover it up because they think it might affect their chances of progression. And so they've either consciously or subconsciously amended their accents and they've tried to fit in. We want to try and bring out those role models, especially those that have already made it to the top so that uh, those from working class or lower socioeconomic backgrounds um, feel that they belong within organisations and they feel that they have the right to progress just like anyone else. And I mentioned processes earlier. It's critical that we look to create transparent processes around promotion, around 
work allocation and transparent process in terms of access to, to senior sponsors. Uh, and finally, the fifth point is publishing data. So holding ourselves to account. And even if we aren't you know, meeting our targets, that's okay, we're trying. And by publishing targets, it brings the employee base along with us, but also, and this is critically critical, we can bring our clients and our stakeholders, our suppliers and our investors along with us as well. And that's how we bring about industry-wide change beyond just our own organizations. What do you think is preventative for people coming forward as role models um, that perhaps are from working class or lower socioeconomic backgrounds? So the ones that are still on the route to the top fear that it will have an impact on future progression. And I've had uh, conversations with people that have um, been concerned about it impacting progression, but also um, future job opportunities at other firms. And I've had conversations with partner level uh, individuals who've said, I've only just been comfortable in speaking about my, my socioeconomic background because I feel I've, I've made it. So I would absolutely encourage those that feel they have made it and they, are, they aren't looking to take um, the, the next few steps anytime soon to talk about this because they're in a safe space now in terms of their, their career. Those that are still progressing up, up the ladder, I understand why um, they might not want to um, speak freely ab about this. But the more they see their senior leaders do that, the more it becomes the norm. And it's difficult talking about uh, talking about this. Um, it, it's difficult to have that conversation with your with your friends, with your work colleagues about your, your socioeconomic background and, and how it's impacted uh, it, your kind of opportunities and, and how it's impacted um the way you feel about your 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 role it's uncomfortable but we have to have those uncomfortable conversations to make a change here and that's what we're encouraging uh individuals within our member firms to do i think you know, i think it's super important someone like myself you know i don't think i've met any other individual in the industry that grew up in Rochdale as of yet. Um, welcome anyone that did grow up in, in Rochdale or North Manchester more generally to, to, to reach out. Um, but 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 it but it's true, you know, speaking personally, you you do look to recognizing all of the, the aspects that you've highlighted, right? How important the network is, how important building connections and the emphasis placed on building connections that and relationships that go beyond just the transactional parts of your job you do find yourself kind of having to learn as you go right i i couldn't have told you if someone just as, a, as an example given us sat here in january when i joined the industry i couldn't have kind of named any sort of ski resort but that was seen as sort of normal practice around this time of year and the dominant conversation as people came back from Christmas. So you do find yourself kind of swatting up in the evenings to learn that sort of stuff. I also grew up, you know, and, and went to university in starting in 2008 in kind of post-financial crisis. So actually, as someone from a, from a working class town, um, post-financial crisis, having seen the hardship that a lot of my close family members and, and, and our family went through, you were pretty anti-financial services. But I think Actually, as you grow to learn more about the industry, you realise kind of how imperative it is to social mobility more generally. And certainly that's 
kind of why I'm involved in the in the socioeconomic in, inclusion working group at CFA UK and, and, and many other initiatives as well. Um, I can't agree more with the role models point as well. Um, I think and I think not being closed off as an individual to to to, to recognizing that just because someone doesn't necessarily have a um, working class or lower socioeconomic background uh, doesn't necessarily stop them from being a role model and wanting to, you to enable that you wanting to enable your progression but um that, that there are certain things that they may not be able to relate to and 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 the, the comfort you get from knowing that the there are senior people in the organization that can relate to those experiences it is super important and builds that confidence so completely buy into from a personal you know perspective the the importance of role models and senior sponsors yeah and, and look, this is kind of a, a must do for for fairness points obviously um but also for employers you know, we're, we're in a war for talent right now and and if when uh an individual is looking at which which companies to come and work for whether they're junior you know mid-level or senior they look to see what the culture is. They look to see who the role models are within organisations. So then they take a view as to whether they want to work there or not. Um, and if they don't see anyone that looks and feels like them, it's it's hard to make that decision. And, and I think also if we look at the intersectionality aspect of this, we did a piece of work and we found that 45% of senior leaders are white men from professional backgrounds. Half of that, again, are white women from professional backgrounds half of that again white women from working class backgrounds and only one percent are ethnic minority women from working class backgrounds so we need to work very hard to look at what do we need to do to support and understand who it is that's really going to struggle to get into those those senior levels and for employers this isn't we don't want employers to feel that this is just another thing to have to do. We've done gender tick, we've done ethnicity tick, and now we're going to do social mobility. This is a, a, this is a, an issue that cuts across all different lenses in terms of uh, characteristics. If you get these interventions right, if you have transparent processes around promotion or work allocation or, or access to senior sponsors, as I say, this should work for any of the campaigns and, and um, strategic objectives that firms have around DNI, uh, whether that's gender, ethnicity, and, and, and such like, um, it, it shouldn't detract from existing work on DNI. Actually, this should add to it. Couldn't agree more. Just to go back to a couple of points that you mentioned earlier, Sophie, around sort of where the data, albeit you know the data is lacking, um, but but where we do have data, we do see disparity between the types of roles, right? Between front office and back office roles, just to use a sort of arbitrary distinction in that regards. What what can be done to sort of address that? Because obviously, the more people we can get into front office roles from from diverse backgrounds, the better, as that tends to be more of the revenue generating aspects, which drives all firms forward. Yeah, so the first thing is collecting the, the data, frankly. So we know whether it's, um, so for example, I was speaking to a member firm of Progress Together and they had interrogated their data at all levels of seniority. And they'd found that the their challenge, and actually across all the organization, they have very uh, diverse in term, um, stat, stats in terms of socioeconomic background. But the one challenge area was the actuaries. 
within their organization. And so without getting that data, they wouldn't know uh, that that was a particular area of challenge. And so now what they're doing is engaging with um, with a professional body in the, in the sector um, to look at what uh, that can take place in terms of a kind of sector wide view of this. And that's the beauty of progress together in that it provides a network of organizations because it is daunting as an employer by yourself to look at this and think, how am I going to change front office or whichever area you have the challenge with? Um, and if you're speaking with with firms that are on a similar sector to you that have made that change that I've identified what works for that particular subsector um, then you can you don't have to reinvent the wheel frankly um, and we're, we're very fortunate in that progress together has 30 supporters so trade associations professional bodies uh, social mobility experts academics um, that are all and regulators all working together to find solutions for this and try and make impact and, and bring about change and although a core focus of progress together is looking at the data point so we we collect data from firms and we enable firms to benchmark against each other in an anonymous way um but a key part of what we offer is that safe environment so that firms can speak freely about what works and, and what doesn't work brilliant and so have there been any surprising outcomes or impacts that you weren't expecting when starting and then kind of embarking on the journey with Progress Together? So we set about uh, last year with a target of um, attracting 22 member firms and six founding partners. We're now at 27 member firms and 12 founding partners. So we've been pretty impressed, actually, in terms of um, outcomes and, and the level of interest that the financial services sector has in, in joining progress together. And um, I, I mentioned earlier that the Solicitors Regulation Authority already mandates the data collection from solicitors. Um, and the, the financial services regulators are making the right noises around kind of future work on this but time will only tell what what happens and whether there are any changes to policy rules but i'm already getting a sense that those, those investors the clients the employees are taking uh more of an interest in in this than they have ever have done before i mentioned the women in finance charter signatories i mean each year the numbers of firms collecting data is doubling so the the increased interest in socioeconomic diversity, specifically at senior levels, uh, is much faster uh, than we were anticipating, which, which is great. And for us as a, as a startup, um, we're, we're kind of building the, the capacity. So hopefully we can, you know, we're supporting 27 firms at, at the moment, but we want to grow that because, you know, once this becomes um, something that all financial services firms are really keen to keen to develop, um, we're, we're there to support them and to, and to hold their hand. Brilliant. And so in addition to the kind of short term growth targets and, and, uh, and wanting to get as many member firms as possible, what are you hoping to be the sort of short term and long term legacy of progress together? So short term is that, that our financial services members across the UK understand what data to collect what, measure, what metrics to ask their employees uh, and to start building the response rates so that their employees trust them with that data. And we want to ensure that the senior leaders are engaged because that's how we'll bring about change. And we have a number of webinars, mentoring circles, resources on our, on our members-only area of the website uh, to support those firms with 
you know, building communications or or finding role models and, and such like. But in the medium term, we're really keen that our members follow the five point pathway that was announced by the, the City of London's Socioeconomic Diversity Task Force, which is around having a senior leader accountable, collecting data, setting your own targets for this and looking for parity so that the top looks like the, the rest of the organisation um, and then taking action and, and publishing the data. In the longer term, we absolutely want parity. We want the top of the organisations within our member base to look the same as the rest of their organisation. Um, but we want that for the whole sector, ultimately. We know that at all levels of seniority across the whole of the financial services sector, roughly 50% come from professional backgrounds. We want the senior levels to look like that across the whole of a sector. But each member obviously will have their own different starting point. And ultimately, our vision is for the, the top of the uh, UK financial services sector, those senior leaders, we want them to look like the UK workforce. So 63% of the UK's working population come from a non-professional background by parental occupation. And I, so I include intermediate and working class um, within that 63%. And that's ultimately what we want to, the top of the financial services sector to look like. We know that financial services firms provide products and services for the UK's working population and, and the wider population. Um, we know that at lower levels of, of seniority, uh, the workforce is made up of a, a broad range of, of talent. We need the very top to represent the, the rest of the UK and the rest of their workforce. Brilliant. And it's a quite a nice lead into sort of the final question as well that I had for you today um, in terms of, I think data collection is at a firm level, certainly very important, but but as we think about the audience listening to this, what what can what can individuals and firms start to do aside from data collection, which is crucial to support socioeconomic underrepresentation at senior levels? So I would say this, wouldn't I? But it's uh, you know asking your employer whether they're a member of Progress Together. Um, we are a not-for-profit um, startup, so um, but we're we're here to help. We've um, we've got the capacity now to take on uh, as many firms as as want to join us, frankly. Um, and then I would also ask your employer whether they collect socioeconomic background uh, from their workforce, speak to your head of diversity and inclusion or head of HR to see what data they're collecting uh, and, and what the response rates are for that data. And also to find out what are the processes around promotion, access to sponsors and, and work allocation, as I mentioned earlier, do a bit of digging in terms of what there is currently to support people from a range of different socioeconomic backgrounds to progress. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you, Sophie. Um, it's been a very interesting chat. Um, and also thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast. This will come through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so you don't miss an episode through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Um, you can find out more at the CFA UK website, which is cfauk.org forward slash podcast. Mm -hmm.